This episode of Truth's Table is brought to you by our NAACP Image Award nominated book, Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation. Get it where all books are sold. Sisters, how y'all feel? Brothers, y'all all right? If this is your first time at Truth's Table, welcome to the table. And if you've been sitting at the table with us all these years, we are so grateful that you have been listening to us through these years, and we are inviting you to partner with us and support our work at patreon.com slash truthstable. Now pull up a chair and have a seat at the table with us. Hey y'all, welcome to Truth's Table, Midwives of Culture for Grace and Truth. I'm Kemeny. And I'm Christina. This table is built by a black woman and for a black woman. So welcome to the table, see how you doing, girl? I'm doing okay. You know, it's been a wild 2023, but I'm doing good today. And you know, I'm all about savoring the good. And so it's a good day. How, yes. how are you doing today? I'm good. It's warming up. I didn't change my whole um, closet to my summer and spring closet. Look now. at you. Look at you being being diligent well, and efficient. You know, by force, <laughs> but yes. So- <laughs> I, I have not done that. I have, I have thought about it though, considerably. I've given considerable know. thought to that. It's, it's it's hot over in the DMV, so I was like, let me just let let's 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 live into it. You know, I'm I'm all about that. So like, <laughs> I got you. I got it. it's 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 a good day. It's a really sunny, pretty day here in Tennessee. So yeah, Maryland has pretty moderate weather as well. So we have uh, before us today, I think, a really really great guest, and oh, hopefully, yeah. it will be a really good discussion. Why don't you let the people know? Well, who, who is with us today at the table? Well, first of all, what's on the table is, is we're having a behind the book episode, behind y'all. It, behind it, y'all. Behind it. We're reading them books. So we're reading these books, y'all. Okay. <laughs> so, or listening. Audible. Shout out. Go ahead. Listen. <laughs> and we are so honored to have, well, first of all, the book that we are going behind, you know, the book about is, Why Am I Like This? Okay, I'm sure you've asked yourself this. That's the title. Am That's I a title like right this? there. I've asked myself this 50 times. <laughs> I'd like to know. I'm going to find out now, actually, because the author of right this now. book is Kobe Campbell here Come at the on. table with us. Welcome to the table, Kobe. How are you, my sister? I'm so good. Thank you guys so much for having me. I'm so excited to chat and be like in the podcast instead of just one who listens to it. So I am honored. Yes, yeah. you are not only at the table, you are literally on the mic and at the table. Okay. Listen, you are the topic of the table. You are the topic. <laughs> Whoever sees that. You're welcome. Yes, yes, yes. Well, you know, just in case you all don't know who Kobe Campbell is, I'm going to tell you a little bit of something about the sister, okay? Kobe Campbell is an award-winning licensed trauma therapist, writer, media expert, and speaker. With a kind, compassionate, and energetic spirit, she helps people find the truest versions of themselves under the pain that they've endured through therapy, speaking retreats, organizational trainings, and spiritual formation. Kobe's debut book, Why Am I Like This? How to Break Psych. Heal from Trauma and Restore Your Faith comes out. Oh, actually, it came out on April 4th, y'all. So make sure you buy the book, okay? <laughs> this book is a resource for every person who has been wanting to heal from the past so that they can begin to live again. So, welcome to the table, Kobe. Thank you, my sister. You know, um, Usually we want to we want to ask you about you know your history and kind of how you came to this work, but I'm the the question as I was thinking about our interview that came to mind initially for me. And I'm I'm going to go in this direction, um, and then see will you know do what she does. But I'm wondering why this book, why am I like this, and why now? Ooh, 
you are not the only person who's asked that. And um, this book truly is a trauma 101 book for people who are believers, for people okay. who believe in the Lord, for people who are Christians, because we sometimes are getting bits and pieces of information from different places. We don't know um, if we trust it. We don't know how it integrates with our faith, with our honor of scripture. We're like, mm, I don't know about all that. And we have a lot of questions. And I found there weren't like clear places to get clear answers. What is trauma? What is the biblical perspective of trauma? What does God think about my trauma? What does God think about my triggers? Is he upset at me for being triggered by something that happened to me? Does that mean that I am irreparably broken? Does that mean that I'm in sin? And so this book is for right now. I'm trying not to slide into preaching. When I prayed about this book and prayed over this book and who this book was for, the Lord said, this book is for people who are about to walk into their harvest. This book is for people who are ready to do the thing I've called them to do, for people who are positioned to step into it. And he brought me to Matthew uh, 13, uh, where the man has a field and they separate the weeds from the wheat. And if you go all the way down to uh, the last couple lines of that parable, it says, first gather the weeds, then gather the wheat. And for a lot of us, our trauma is coming up. The hard stuff is coming mm -hmm. up. The memories are coming up. The, ooh, that hurt is coming up because God's gathering the weeds so that they can enjoy the wheat. And so this book is a resource to understand their pain, to start the process of healing it so they can enjoy the harvest. Mm. Harvest time. Yes, listen, it is. Well, listen. I received that. <laughs> Gather it up, Lord. And I feel gathered already. So thank you for, <laughs> Me too. For, for giving us that. And it's okay if you slide into a little bit of preaching. I mean, apparently we do that at times as well. Oh, for so sure. we won't stop you. We won't, <laughs> we won't stop you. You, you. you say what needs to be said. Well, why don't we just get into some just some basics here. So, yeah. so my, my first question, and I've heard you define this before, but I love the, the really simplistic and clear handles that you have on this. Yeah. Help our audience get a, a good working definition of what is trauma. We have so much mm -hmm. pop culture vernacular. You know, we, yes. if somebody's moody, we call them bipolar. I mean, we're all over the place kind of throwing mm -hmm. terminology at people. Mm -hmm. and, and I was saying kind of out of pocket ways, but can help us land the plane. What is, what is trauma and help us to expand our imagination on that? For sure, absolutely. Trauma is any past pain that affects how we live in the present and how we perceive the future. Any past pain that affects how we live in the present and perceive the future. And it's so imperative to leave it um, as subjective as that because mm -hmm. trauma is deeply personal and deeply contextual, meaning what hurts you deeply, I may not even remember. Right. And That's so right. there needs to be a humility when we hear people's trauma. There needs to be a curiosity that precedes um, our desire to judge, our desire to say, was it that bad? And helping people understand. I love sharing this little fact that like the part of the brain that processes uh, physical pain is the same part of the brain that processes emotional pain. Pain right. is pain. Mm -hmm. if, you've, if you've had someone speak down on you, you know that hurts, even if you can't locate exactly where it is in your body. Um, and many of us have been um, deeply wounded, deeply beat by words, by postures, by systems that dehumanize mm -hmm. us and treat us as less than. And that psychological terror is no less important and valuable to God and no less 
present in our bodies than someone putting their hands on us. That's right. That's right. And I think that's such an important note for us to have humility as we're hearing other people share their stories, but also self-compassion that we don't psych ourselves out of embracing the reality of our own trauma, right? So we can't can't give others what we can't give ourselves. So thank you so much for that reminder. I mean, I've got a follow-up question, Ethan. I'm going to hand it over to you. Um, Sure. I cannot think of a more important topic. Obviously, I'm super biased because of my work, but um, you you really do have created a book that is accessible to people of faith. Mm. And we know that there's great strength that can be pulled from our faith tradition, but there's also great burdens and misconceptions. What is one of those misconceptions that you set out in your mind to say, I'm about to dismantle this (laughs) so so God's people can be free? Name one of those. And you do this in many ways. But but give us a taste of one of those that you uh, dismantle for us. Yeah. And these kind of go together. So sorry, I'm going to give you two. One, that God is angry at us for feeling. And that feeling is sinful, that feeling is uh, brokenness, that feeling is wrong, Mm -hmm. right? We are made in the likeness of a God who feels deeply, and that is why we feel deeply. You know, God is not judging us for processing the emotions when he created the systems that allow us to process the emotions, Mm -hmm. right? And so having people understand that, but I think on a bigger, broader scale, helping people understand God is a resource for your journey, not a judge of your pain. Yeah. And many people are trying to find a way to like, I need to fix the pain. I need to stop feeling sad. I need to stop feeling anxious. I need to stop feeling uh, depression. I need to start feeling these hard things because it will somehow take me out of the will of God or it will keep me away from the things that God has for me. And the things God has for you are made specifically for those moments. It's made for the sadness. It's made for the hard moments. It's made for the nights you can't sleep. It's made for the, the times you can't show up for yourself. Um, he's called the mm-hmm. divine comforter for a reason because our deep pain okay. requires divine comfort, comfort that's not earthly. And so mm-hmm. um, just reminding people, God is really a resource for the journey. He's in this with you and he's not watching you struggle through this and, and wishing that you would just be better to get out of it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just a, just a, a beautiful uh, way to expand our imagination to see Emmanuel, God with us, yeah. even in the ugliest, ugliest moments of our pain. And this yep. is a God who He Himself endured pain beyond our imagination. So talk about solidarity. Yeah, Kimmy, take it away. We already be in school today, and I love it. <laughs> yes, I was. I, I, that is exactly what I was about to say about Emmanuel, God with us, God with us in it, and God with. God with us through it, right? Um, um, so God is a resource in the journey. You know, what I was struck by in your book, why am I like this? Uh, I uh, <laughs> I was struck by uh, your, how God has been with you, mm-hmm. right? And your, your struggles, you know, before you really um, came to a, a deep, you know, relationship with the Lord. I would love for you to talk about your own um, relationship with the Lord, how you came to faith and just the ways that God has shown up for you specifically. I mean, I was really struck, you know, yeah. text message, everything. So can you, can you just give the people a little something else? You want me to talk about just the beginning of the book? Okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. That was, I, I just thought it was really, um, I don't know, it just really it captures yeah. God as a resource, I think, you know. 
so please share about your own story, your journey and how you came to faith in this work. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 2013, 2014, I, I had a failed suicide attempt by God's grace. And, you know, I had been the kid who was forced to go to church you know, grew up Kojic and African, uh, do with that what you will. And so- It's a combination, y'all. It's a um, combination. It's a, what a combination it is, you know? And um, there was just a lot of like curiosity about, about God, but not really commitment. I don't really know. And went to college mm-hmm. and, um, you know, found myself in a place where I was just kind of like sad all the time, truly depressed, wondering mm-hmm. like, what is the purpose of life, you know? What is the meaning of life? Life just kind of felt like me vacillating between disappointment and striving for approval. But mm-hmm. to get to the heart of where God shows up in the story, um, I uh, attempted suicide by taking some pills, drinking some alcohol, and going to sleep. And uh, my dear friend, who is now my brother-in-law, uh, sent me a text and was like, hey, uh, I was praying. The Lord told me that you took some pills and that you drank some alcohol and that you're trying to take yourself out. And I want you to know um, that he wants you to wrap up that letter that you wrote. And he told me that you he has a purpose for your life and that you're going to live. And that was my first real encounter with God. Um, and I say encounter that even though that was just a text message, I felt a presence in the room. It was like a whoosh, you know, like, oh, what, you, oh, huh? You, this this God that we've been talking about is real. And and he stayed up all night just texting me. I tried to turn my phone off. My phone would not turn off. And he just kept texting me words of encouragement, inviting me to church the next morning. And that's when I made the conscious decision to give my life to Christ, to live for a God who loved me more than I love myself, and to trust the God who wanted to save me when I didn't think I was worth saving. And um, sorry if I get teary. no. Take your time. You know, I I found myself in a place where I felt that spiritual high, that like, Jesus, <laughs> you know, I felt that, ooh, like God is real. Like I felt like I was like woken up, you know, mm-hmm. from like asleep. And, and yet a couple weeks later, I started feeling that depression again, that anxiety mm-hmm. again. And I was just like, what is wrong with me? What is going on? Like, am I the only person who feels this way? And it felt like I could see that I wasn't the only person who felt this way, but no one was wanted to talk about it. You know, Um, Mm. no one was ready to really get vulnerable about the the tension of knowing God is real, experiencing his power and yet feeling sadness in our bodies. And um, so I ended up saving up my money that my parents gave me for food. And I walked on over to a therapist every Tuesday at 315 and um, she was a believer and uh, she was a sweet little white lady. And though she couldn't give me everything I needed, she gave me um, more than enough, you know, and I learned so much about myself. I felt like my childhood kept coming up. I kept having these dreams and like these like mm-hmm. remembering random things from when I was 10, 9, 8, 7. And I was like, what is going on? And I thought it was like, oh, the devil's trying to attack me. And it was God trying to heal me. Mm-hmm. It was God saying like, okay, you said yes to me. You've said yes to who I am. Now let me walk you through the moments that need to be redeemed, right? Mm -hmm. When something's redeemed, you can't just get the good thing. You have to have the reference for the bad thing the good thing is replacing. 
That's you right. have to have a reference for That's the right. bad thing. The good thing is restored or right. healing. And, and the gospel is a story of redemption, a recognition, a full, um, a full view of everything that was lost with a full celebration of everything that was brought back, you know, and that's what God was doing. He was walking me through a redemption. And I have the honor now of doing that with my clients of saying like, we have to start with understanding your pain so we can get a full view of what God's about to do. So we can get a full view of what's going to get restored. So we can get a full view of all the things that need to be returned, right? When I think about the enemy stealing moments of our lives, stealing parts of our identity, stealing our attention. When someone steals something, you take inventory of what was lost. That's right. right? Mm-hmm. So you can know when it get, when it gets back, when it comes back. And so um, I walk through and talk in the book about a lot of my childhood trauma, of God being like, this is what happened. And me being like, I don't want to look at it. I don't want to talk about it. I don't want to think about it. I don't want to. And my encouragement in the book is, is to take courage. Like, you know, the word encourage literally breaks down to a phrase that means to give courage. My hope was that with me publicly facing things I struggled with where no one was looking to say, I hope this gives you the courage to look at the hard thing too and to know that you're not alone in it. Um, in the same way that God has been with me, he is now empowering me to be with others. Mm-hmm. Amen, amen. I love the taking inventory, right, of what was lost. Yeah. And we have to remember what was lost in order to see that redemption, to see the way the Lord is redeeming that very thing. And God is so particular and so intentional yeah. Um, with uh, with our redemption, and I love that. <laughs> I love that. And you're right. That's we got to look at the ugly in order to see the beauty of the restoration and the redemption that's coming for us. Thank you so much for that. You're so Kobe. So, on that note, let's take a quick commercial break, <laughs> and when we come back, <laughs> I got more questions. And of course, y'all know I'm going to read a little excerpt for the book. So <laughs> don't go nowhere. We'll be right back with Behind the Book, Why Am I Like This with Kobe Campbell. Our NAACP Image Award-nominated book, Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation, is making waves and shifting culture. I closed this book feeling like I had just partaken in a multi-course meal, filled with grace and the courage to carry on. And I believe you'll finish this book feeling the same way. Morgan Harper Nichols, artist and poet. Buy Truth's Table, Black Women's Musings on Life, Love, and Liberation at our website or wherever books are sold. And we are back at the table with Kobe Campbell. Why am I like this? Why am I like this? So, uh, you know, she was just preaching a word about Emmanuel, God with us and restoration and redemption. And this is a book for those coming into their harvest, which, by the way, I I have been reading through this book slowly but surely because I am coming into I am in the harvest. So so I receive I receive this word. Anyway, (laughs) Christina. Your turn, my sister. <laughs> listen, listen. So many beautiful things have been shared, but I, I, I yeah. promise you, you know, to, to hear hear the words of uh, uh, Tasha Cobbs, I hear the chains falling. I think that's you sharing, um, you sharing as someone who is a clinician who does trauma work about your own story, 
And what does it mean to be saved, sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and still battling clinical depression? Yeah. Yes. Still battling, battling these thoughts of hopelessness. Yes. And those things can absolutely coexist. And there is grace for healing, yeah. for treatment, for discovery. And so uh, of all the, the rich resource that you are from your academic training, that lived experience really will and is setting people free just mm-hmm. in you sharing that. And you also mentioned kind of, you know, kind of this, this, Double double blessing, right? Of African background and Kojic background. So I want to talk a little bit, just theology and culture talk, yeah, about uh, about the ways in which those identities mm-hmm. and others that you possess are have were a resource in your story, but also were some things that maybe you had to reimagine or to rework in order to to grab a hold of the healing that God has ex- extended to you. Yes, wow. That is such a great question. So I will say this. um, I found myself really went to seminary. I'll throw that out there because I think that 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 ties Mm -hmm. into all of this. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. I've swung in different directions because I think, you know, when you get this academic knowledge and you're in school reading these scriptures, all this stuff all the time, you can begin to develop a sense of like um, judgment towards the embodied knowledge and somehow Mm. feel like the embodied knowledge is somehow less valuable than the the literary and the expressed knowledge Mm. with words. And so there was a time where I was like shouting, oh, you don't need to do all that. Laying on your face, (laughs) you don't need to do all that. And um, I really got to a place where I realized that the most freedom I experienced in my journey came from physical movement. Right. And that's not just like, oh, a me thing. The limbic system, which is part of the system that's deeply affected when we uh, experience trauma, the language of the limbic limbic system, the language of freedom for the limbic system, what releases Mm -hmm. the trauma in the limbic system is movement. Right. And so historically, we didn't always have access to the words uh, because our words were often used against us. Mm-hmm. Right, our words mm-hmm. were were often clocked and used against right. us, and used. Or we were too young to have words. Yes, yeah. we're too young to have. Like when mm-hmm. we think about the silence that has been perpetuated mm-hmm. in many Black um, communities here in America and the diaspora, speaking about things, there's almost like a um, what is it? Oh my gosh, what is the word? Suspicion. Mm. Like you mm-hmm. cannot say that out loud or else you have, you're speaking right. it to be true, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Or even if you're feeling something, you can move it out. And name but, it, right. Yeah, but if you name it, you're, you're giving it power when truly, when you name it, you release its power over you, right? Right. You, right? You you release that power and you step back and now you can work with it instead of it working in you, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that I came back to a lot of the movement roots. Um, the more academic I got, the more I realized it's not the knowledge that saves. It's not the knowledge that transforms. It's not. Okay. It's right. The it's the living. It's the mm-hmm. doing. It's the the applying. Um, and found that the application came through movement. So I do a lot of EMDR. I do psychodrama, um, mm-hmm. and I, I love to dance. And and that is part of my healing journey, and. Mm-hmm. Um, finding a sense of of home again in like almost like a full circle moment in the places that I was raised but not necessarily felt 
emotionally and spiritually connected, but coming back in my journey and saying, it really is, there's something about walking back and forth and praying. There's something about laying down and, and, and saying Jesus, there's just something that happens. Right. And, um, so I think that my information has been validation for the ways that generations before actually were getting something right. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's right. They were getting right. Despise our history. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. Let us yes. despise our heritage. Yes. And uh, that's a wonderful reminder that um, you know we often be, often be stuck in in believing we can think our way to God, um, a God who is already with us and near yeah. us and has imparted Spirit with us already. Yeah. Um, so that that is just a wonderful and beautiful reminder for all of us. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yes. So. Well, why don't I read a little bit of the book, a little portion of the book from chapter Let's go five. reading, Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> from chapter five, I would love for you to unpack this. Um, the, t- the, the title of the chapter is um, Investigating Identity. Why is it so hard to love myself? For years, I believed I was bad. Every action I took was in pursuit of silencing the voices in my head that told me that I wasn't worthy of love unless I was striving. This belief led me to live out patterns of self-betrayal in both big and small ways. I struggled to speak up when something unjust was done to me. I talked myself out of getting my basic needs met as they arose, telling myself, I'll eat after I finish this, and I'll go to the bathroom after one more task on my to-do list is done. The little moments of my life were littered with evidence that I didn't deserve the simplest of things unless I earned them in one way or another. I was bad. Therefore, all good things had to be earned. I believe that if I stopped my patterns of self-abandonment and self-betrayal, I'd also be stopping the only way I could get love. I needed love, so I always found my way back to my destructive patterns. I still desperately needed those unhealthy patterns. I wanted to break in I wanted to break in order to invalidate the lies I'd come to believe about myself through the traumas I'd experienced. The lie, I am bad, was my negative core belief. This lie shaped my perception of my identity and my perception of the world. I couldn't confront this pattern until I felt safe enough to peel back the layers of coping and distracting to discover the driving force of my most mundane actions. Mm. Wow. So can you just unpack that too for us? Yes. Why is it hard for us to love ourselves? Yeah. Well, there is something that we are telling ourselves And oftentimes the thing we're telling ourselves is something that we have been either told or taught about ourselves, right? right. And um, we live in the stories that we tell ourselves. We live in those stories. The narratives that we tell ourselves are the lives that we begin to live. The reality is if I did take care of myself and, and I do now, but you know, if I, if I did at that time start to take care Mm -hmm. of myself, I would discover that the lie was a lie. But as long as I kept reading the script of the story of what I'd been told and what I'd been taught, the only thing that would continue to get validated is the lie that I didn't want to believe in the first place, right? And so I think for a lot of us, we're struggling because we think we have so much evidence for our badness, for our unworthiness, for our unlovability, right? Um, but the truth is we're living our lives in a way that creates the evidence for that lie sometimes, right? And that's not always true. Things do happen to us, but there's a reality that our past experiences 
are experiences that can't be changed. Nothing we can do can go back and change those experiences. But they can, and because that can't be changed, that's a fact, right? What happened was a fact. That doesn't mean that the conclusions that we draw from that moment are facts. And I think sometimes that's where the disconnect is. Well, that person abandoned me and that means I'm unlovable. And because that person did abandon us and that is a fact, we think the conclusion that we draw from that is also a fact. And it's not, right? And so I think we struggle because we live in the narratives of our pain, um, not because we want to, but because we feel like we have to. And oftentimes because we don't even know that there's another narrative that we can live in. The beauty of the story of the gospel is we get to see people moment after moment, you know, be paralyzed for years, have sickness Mm -hmm. for years, be ostracized for years. And in one moment, there is a new reality that they can live in. There's a new story they get to live in and embody. Um, And that's my hope is that people get to see there's another story being told. And you can mm. live in that story. You can live in the story that heaven's speaking over you. Amen. 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 It is such a gift, right? To to recognize those truths that you are sharing. And and I, I wanted to say the people who are listening who have talked themselves out of um exploring their story and embracing one that aligns with what God's story is for you Mm -hmm. and who have talked themselves out of of therapy and treatment and all the things. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of what is being shared right now is, is a part of good counseling. (laughs) So I want to demystify that for people who are listening, even um, as, as you just mentioned, as you talked about kind of core beliefs, right? So that's, that's real basic cognitive behavioral therapy stuff, yep. y'all. So I want to say that to people who are mm-hmm. listening, um, that uh, you know, there's this thing called common grace. I want to pull on a, a theological concept that can't save us but can inform us. Yeah. Yes. And God has given grace in in the fields of social science and psychological science and, and neuropsychology. And so, and that grace is for our benefit. So yeah. if you're hearing this and I know you're vibing, I don't, I want you to know. Yeah, that decent therapy includes these types of things that we're talking about right right. now. Okay, (laughs) includes those types of things. Yes, and yeah, and and just this story of you really giving yourself permission to heal and using your college food money to get to that therapist and you becoming a therapist. Talk a little bit about how you today. For me, it just if I'm not in your story, but it feels very full circle as I listen to it. Yes, talk a little bit about how you look back on that moment in, in, in terms of who you are today, just the, the pieces of grace uh, where God has brought you. I am mm. a crier. Let me just say that. And I, I probably cry, but I cried about this this morning in the car as I dropped the kids mm-hmm. off. Um, I am so incredibly um, grateful to God and so incredibly proud of myself. That's right. For the moments where I'm like, I, I can't do this, God. I can't do this. And I did it. I had no clue that that moment of courage would create this life. Mm. I had no clue. And, and it is like, it has ever increased my faith and ever increased my courage. Because I'm like, all of this started with me going to therapy and being honest about how much pain I was in. And I was so Mm. embarrassed and like, you know, you're not supposed to be suicidal. You're a black girl. We don't talk about that. We don't deal with that, you know? And all that 
all those moments of courage blossomed exponentially into a life where I get to be surrounded by people who are just like me. And when I say just like me, people who are hungry for a full life, mm-hmm. people who are like, I want freedom. I right. want freedom. And, and it's been so beautiful to feel like all those people are like coming out of the corners. Like me too, girl, mm-hmm. me too, me too. And I'm like, yes. <laughs> and there is, there is, um, you know, I just never thought that people talk about how your pain can turn into purpose and your trauma can turn into triumph, but I'm living in it and mm. it feels bigger than the words. It feels mm-hmm. bigger than, you know, the the analogy. It feels like I get to live a completely different life. Mm-hmm. And if people knew the life that really was on the other side of, of addressing the trauma, I think more people would want to do it. That's part of the reason why I shared so much of my story is like, mm-hmm. I, I, I used to have anxiety about talking in front of people. I used to feel nervous. I used to not want to be seen. I used to be scared. I was the dark-skinned black girl, African mm. booty scratcher, bully growing up. I, like the idea that, you know, I'm mm. getting on a plane in an hour to go be on national TV. God did that. Mm-hmm. And to the naked eye, that is superficial. But to the girl who wept in silence, I am living the reality that what we sow in our tears and in our shouts of sorrow, we will reap in shouts of joy. And I get to live that. And my prayer is that that the next generation gets to release the shout of joy that previous generations sowed in their tears. That's right. That's right. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. You're living inside of a God's dream for your life. And the other part that really is ringing in my, in my ears and heart is this idea that courage creates. Yes. Courage creates. Yeah. What a beautiful thought to to meditate on today. It's beautiful. You know, um, Kobe, one question I was um, kind of, you know, kicking around in my, in my head with regard to trauma is how can you help our listeners um, you know, d- discern the difference between, you know, cause if, if, if trauma, if everything is trauma, then nothing is trauma. Right. Yeah. So yeah. how do people, can you help um, our sisters at the table, our brothers in the standing room section and someone at the table because you know, this season, you know, <laughs> they get to sit at the table this season, but, um, you know, so <laughs> you know <laughs> can you uh, help, them discern, help us discern the difference between, say, trauma and, you know, the, the regular, let's just say, disappointments and yeah. discomforts, you know, and pains of life that aren't necessarily trauma. But how do, how do, can you help us discern that, yeah. that line? And how do, how do people put something they could put in their pocket you know, <laughs> to pull out when they need to and they're trying to evaluate their hurt and their pain and trauma? Yeah. Um, If it's something that affects the way you live on an everyday basis um, or in a rhythmic basis um, that is rooted in past moments that is distressing and disturbing to your life in the present and brings you fear and anxiety about the future, it's trauma, right? So there can be a moment if, example, I'm sure I tripped at some point today. I am not afraid to walk around the house because my brain is not registering 
what if you trip? What if you trip? Are you going to trip? Is anything on the floor, right? Um, That's not something that is traumatic because it's not informing my present, nor is it creating a lens for my future. It's just a moment that happened and passed, right? Um, But what trauma does is trauma makes us live in loops. We live in loops because our brain struggles with integrating the painful moment with what we know of the world, right? So we can know that we're in trauma. An example of trauma is when you play the same character in the same story in different places at different times, Mm. You are always mm. the person who's experiencing blank in this friendship. If your relationships always end with this, if you can never do this in this space, if every job ends in this specific way, there might be some trauma to investigate because there might be a story mm. that you're living in subconsciously that you are uh, capitulating in your life without Mm -hmm. realizing it. And Mm -hmm. so I like to remind people, again, trauma is deeply personal, deeply contextual. The things that were traumatic to me in childhood, my twin sister is like, I literally do not remember that happening, right? (laughs) And so deeply personal, even down to the neurology of twins. There are lots of studies on it. I won't go into that. But um, it's about something that your brain is hooked on. Your brain is living in a loop, right? Um, for my clients who struggle with religious trauma, it might be, is God mad at me? Is God mad at me? I need to pray because what if I get in this car and get in a car crash because uh, God's mad at me? Did I sin? I need to say the Lord's Prayer. And and there's a, there is like a, a pathology of prayer, not to connect to God, but um, out of fear, right? Uh, prayer itself almost becomes an idol because uh, they think that it's going to be the solution to their anxiety instead of actually being with the person of God, right? And so that's just an example. But I think that when we have a painful moment that shapes the way we live our lives, that's when we know we've experienced trauma. So helpful yeah. and, and mm-hmm. so concrete. And then I think it forces, at least in my mind, I imagine others to start thinking about what are some of the ways that that is showing up? Yeah. The, the roles that we're playing in repetitive stories or yes. inflexible thinking or mm. um, yep. just as, assuming how things will end as if we're omniscient, right? Yes. Um, yes. And those are sometimes indicators that we have fallen into a script, but God gives us plot twists, y'all. We yes, he plot does. And journey. let him. Let yes, him. yes, yes, yes. You know, this is a beautiful reminder of that. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. I was going to say, you know, I also throw this in there. The desire to make everything trauma is evidence of trauma. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. The desire to make the small moments, the moments that are truly small to you in your heart and your spirit mm-hmm. big is evidence of trauma, evidence of emotional abandonment, evidence of dismissal. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. And we have to remember even the people who have moments that, are not that big to them by their definition, but they try to make it bigger than what it is, that's a sign of trauma itself, magnifying things that really don't hurt us. We, we do to get attention. And sometimes we can be off put by that. We're like, oh, it's that's not trauma. You're just trying to get attention. And instead of just saying you're trying to get attention, our question should be why? Why do you feel this is the way? Right. We have to get curious about the way that people express desire for connection, because it'll often tell us a bigger story than they just want attention. That's right. Curiosity over judgment. And what what is what is where is that where is that longing coming from? Yes. 
what's the what's the historical big deal mm-hmm. that makes all these other things a big deal now? So yep. just beautiful reminders for us. I want to give you the floor to let all the people know how to how to follow your work and how to get this book and how to how to glean this currently you on TV. moment cheap wisdom that we getting on here. We need to we need to send her some checks, y'all, after this. But tell us. Tell us how to follow your work and, and support you. Yes. Well, I would love for you to follow my work on social media, of course, at Kobe Campbell underscore. That's K-O-B-E-C-A-M-P-B-E-L-L underscore. Also, you can stay up to date with my speaking engagements or even invite me to come speak at your church, your conference, your organization Amen. at Um, I would love for you to get this book for you. That's, mm-hmm. that's really like my heart is I want you to get this book and curl up in a corner and read it for yourself because you deserve healing, not because you'll be a better minute at ministry, not because you'll be less mm-hmm. annoying, not because you'll be more productive, but because you deserve to live well because you are, because you exist. Um, and so my prayer is that you get freedom and that you get the answer to why am I like this? And then you also get the answer to what do I do now? And so um, my prayer is that this book gets in the hands of 10,000 people because I just imagine what would it look like for 10,000 generations to be healed, 10,000 stories to be changed, 10,000 redemption um, moments created. And so that is my prayer to get a book, read it, share it with a friend. Each chapter ends with questions. So it's a great resource for a small group or for a group of Mm -hmm. friends. Wonderful. And it has and it's and it's wonderfully titled, by the way. So oh, yeah, y'all go out here and, and get that book and and, and let's let's hit that ten thousand. Yeah. Yes. yes, let's hit it. Thank you so much, Kobe. I mean, this is just you've availed yourself, you poured out your heart and your life into this book, and we are better for it. We are grateful for it. And I know thousands upon thousands of people will be going into therapy as a result of reading your work. Um, and so, and glory to God for that. And thank you for courage, for using your courage. And now that is now creating yes. change in people's lives. Why am I like this? Make sure you pick up the copy of our sister's book. And of course, we want to thank our sisters for sitting at the table with mm-hmm. us this week. Okay. Let's keep the conversation going. Tweet us your thoughts about this episode behind the book. Why am I like this? By Kobe Campbell. Using the hashtag Truth Table, Black women. We have a black, uh, black woman's Facebook discipleship group. So follow us on Truth, uh, Truth Table's page on Facebook and answer the questions to get into the group. All of the questions, y'all. Invite your homegirls. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Or you can email us your thoughts at asktruthstable at gmail.com. And of course, you'll follow us at Truth Table on all those social media platforms. Don't forget to rate and review the show on iTunes and subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Truth Table has a Patreon account, so y'all can send your love offerings to patreon.com slash truthstable. Or you can bless us at our PayPal, which is paypal.me slash truthstable. Truthstable's audio producer is Joshua Heath. Our video producer is Daryl Bradford. And Truthstable's executive producers and hosts are Akemini Uwan and Christina Edmondson. We'll see you soon on the next Truth Table. Bye, y'all.